This episode is brought to you by Prolific, my online training program that gives you a deep dive into productivity, creativity, goal setting, and finding your life's mission. The program has been featured on Lifehacker, Entrepreneur Magazine, and Business Insider. It was created because I have been asked many times how I've been able to produce over 1,000 blog posts, hundreds of podcast episodes, and written over 30 books in a relatively short period of time. Prolific gives you all of my tactics tactics, strategies, and tools. Go to prolificcourse.com if you're interested. Hi, fun seekers. Welcome to another edition of the Christ is All podcast. Today I want to talk about 10 things I wish older Christians taught me. Now, there's certainly more than 10, but these are the top 10 that stand foremost in my mind. Muhammad Ali reportedly said, quote, the man who views the world at 50 the same way he did at 20 has wasted 30 years of his life, end of quote. I really wish an older Christian told me the following things when I was in my 20s. It would have saved me a lot of aggravation, frustration, discouragement, fill in the blank. Now hold on to your chair. These are blunt, even unsettling observations. Number one, you'll turn your head and you'll be 40 years old. So live in the present and savor every moment. You can't rewind the clock of your life. Now, when I was in my late 20s, I remember an older friend of mine who was in his 60s at the time said, Frank, you're going to turn your head and you'll be 50. And as I'm recording this, I'm a little older than 50, still younger than Johnny Depp, mind you. <clears throat> and I'll always be younger than Johnny Depp. But my friend was right. I turned my head and I was 50. What I wish he would have added was, strive to always live in the present. Savor each moment of your life like a glass of fine wine. Don't mainline or inhale it, because your life will slip by before you know it. If you've ever seen the movie Click with Adam Sandler, life is a slightly slowed down version of that film. And when I was 50 years old, I could say that with sad confidence. So the moral of the story is, don't let the frantic pace of your youth suck you into life's breakneck vortex. Throw your hands on the gears, slow them down a bit, and take stock. Or as Paul said, redeem the time for the days are evil. Number two, life will not get easier, so learn to accept trials, disappointments, suffering, and incalculable loss. On some levels, life will become easier. Thank God junior high is over. Speaking of junior high, when I hit my mid-30s, I was stunned to discover how many adults act like they're still in middle school. Searing jealousy, two-faced backstabbing, unabashed gossip, scorched earth drama, perceived slights that never took place, schoolyard belittling, sophomoric one-upmanship, imbibing slander and spreading it, all run at high tide among adults, even Christian, quote-unquote, adults. These tactics are carnal, immature, absurd, and appalling. Not every adult deploys them, but I've seen so much juvenile behavior and sharp elbowing among grown men and women that it's unnerving. I used to be an angel, 
but the backbiters chewed my wings off. <clears throat> the fact is, as each year passes, you'll weather one crisis only to meet another. Life will never become void of pain, discouragement, disappointment, and periods of suffering. You do get some breaks between explosions, then the napalm bombs start dropping again. But remember, these are the tools of your Lord to transform you, so don't waste your sufferings. Lean into them to see Christ in a fresh way through each difficulty. As I've defined it elsewhere, a crisis is an unwelcomed opportunity to discover a new aspect of Jesus Christ. And what you see depends on where you stand. So seek to stand in Christ and view things from his perspective and learn the secret of living carefree. Or as Peter says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. All right, that brings us to number three. Christians will break your heart. If the New Testament story teaches us anything, it teaches us this. Some of the greatest pain in your life will be dished out to you at the hands of Christians. Quote, unquote. This was true in the case of Paul and even Jesus. The scripture says, I was wounded in the house of my friends. Calm down, citizens. I know that Christians came after Jesus ascended. I'm talking about God's people and even the Lord's own followers. If you recall, one of the twelve betrayed him and another denied him thrice, and all his male followers checked out during his darkest hour. Persecution from fellow Christians has come to the doorstep of every great woman and man of God who impacted the kingdom of God. The pages of church history are bloodstained. There's carnage in every chapter, and the passing parade continues. Same torches, same pitchforks, just different faces. So don't be surprised and get ready to discover the enduring virtues of suffering with Christ, some of them being brokenness, humility, forbearance, forgiveness, patience, and the art of taking the high road. Something more Jesus followers need to learn in our day, in my humble but accurate opinion. <clears throat> Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will enable you to survive without becoming embittered or destroyed. Four. A great deal of what you are certain about now, you'll question later in life. Someone famously said, quote, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. That's ascribed to Mark Twain, but it is debated. With age comes maturity, and with experience comes wisdom. And part of wisdom is discovering that the more you learn, the more you realize just how ignorant you are. It's as though God hardwired the universe to challenge our pride. When I was in my early 20s, I was a theological expert. I knew almost everything. Today, I wish I knew half of what my older self knew. I mean, why can't life's problems hit us when we're 21 and we know everything? Because life is a crash course in teaching you what you don't know especially those things you once asserted as unimpeachable fact. So tread humbly always, for as Paul said, we know in part. Number five, the commitments you made in your teens and 20s will be severely tested in your early 30s. This includes your commitment to Jesus Christ. It is when a person hits 30 or thereabouts that they begin to reevaluate the commitment they made to the Lord, and they either dig in or bail out. Some people go through this crisis before 30 and some experience it in their 40s. But there will come a point where your faith will be tested beyond measure. You'll wonder if God exists. 
if the Jesus narrative is true or makes sense, if the Bible can be trusted, etc. Expect it, and don't make the mistake of walking off the field before the whistle blows. Make a stake-in-the-ground commitment to play full out for the Lord. As Jesus said, He who endures unto the end shall be saved. 6. Things aren't always what they seem. In my youth, I quickly drew conclusions without hearing the whole side of a story from all parties involved. Regrettably, I still see this happen today, even among seasoned Christians. Someone hears a rumor or reads an attack against a fellow Christian online. Instead of going to the person being attacked, which Matthew 7.12 instructs us to do, countless Christians believe the rumor, and some of them even spread it. If I've learned anything in life, it's this. There is always more than one side to a story, and things are not always what they seem. Proverbs 18.13 says, quote, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him, end of quote. Meaning, if you draw a conclusion based on something you heard or read without going to the persons involved directly, particularly those being talked about or accused or attacked, you are foolish, and it is a shame. 7. The greater the spiritual impact you will have, the greater your sufferings will be. This is God's way. It takes a great amount of breaking for God's light to penetrate the dark places and create a clear path for that light to seep out. To put it another way, it's a seismic task for the Lord to clear the pipes so the sludge can get through. As I put it in my book, Revise Us Again, Quote, as high as God is going to elevate you is as deep as he digs to lay the foundation. End of quote. It would have been nice to know what to expect when I put my hand to God's plow many years ago. But as a young believer, all I heard was how glorious it was to serve the Lord. No one told me the heights, the depths, and the lengths to which God goes to break his servants. 8. Jealousy is at the root of most divisions, conflicts, and persecutions. I admit my naivety here. I was really naive about this. I used to think that jealousy and envy were things that went with middle school and high school drama. I thought to myself, adults don't engage in that kind of juvenile behavior. But I was completely wrong. Jealousy is pervasive among adults in business, in education, in religion, and in the world of ministry. Have you ever considered or wonder why some of the most gifted and anointed speakers aren't ever invited to speak at certain Christian conferences? I will tell you, jealousy is often at the root. The fear of being upstaged or outshined. You ever wonder what's behind so many personal attacks in the Christian world? Jealousy is almost always at the root. The meanest, cruelest people in the world are those who are drowning in the riptide of their own egos. The fallen human ego has a voracious appetite, and the more it's fed, the hungrier it becomes, and jealousy rears its ugly head whenever a person's ego has not been crucified. Years ago, I discovered that religious jealousy is what incited the murders of Abel, Jesus Christ, and all the attacks of Paul of Tarsus. This is very clear in Scripture. It is also the reason why Joseph's brothers sought to kill him. 9. Transformation is a really, really slow process. Spiritual transformation is real. God changes people. Conformity to Christ is an essential aspect of God's ultimate purpose. 
However, it takes time, years. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. As a young man at the age of 16, living on the momentum of a new Christian, I made the mistake of equating knowledge with experience. I subconsciously thought, if you know it, you've got it. But equating knowledge with experience is like dropping a rose petal down the Grand Canyon and waiting for it to echo. It takes years and a lot of breaking for God to translate any spiritual insight you have into experiential knowledge. Now, sometimes the sufferings that come into our life can be so intense that God can gain a lot of ground in a short period of time. But even so, the default, the norm, is that it takes many, many years and a lot of pain. If you're in your 20s, measure the space between the top of your head and your heart in inches. Someone once said that it takes at least that many years to move what's in your mind to your spirit. And I think that's pretty accurate. The last thing that I wish older Christians had told me when I was younger. Number 10, when someone imputes evil motives to another person's heart, they are merrily revealing what's in their own. And I can multiply examples of this, but let me give you one. I once heard a Christian, we'll call her Sally, judge another Christian, we'll call her Sharon, of being full of pride simply because Sharon regularly employed humor. She had a funny bone. Now, not only does that calculation not compute, I mean, Jesus often used humor and irony, as I pointed out in the book, Jesus of Theography, but it only reveals one thing. It reveals that Sally was exposing herself to be a prideful individual. You see, when people read intentions and motivations into another person's words, they are merrily exposing what's in their own hearts. Few things throw sand in the gears of one's spiritual growth faster than adopting a critical, judgmental attitude. Therefore, never judge another person's motives. Always think the best. If you have a concern about someone, ask them directly. Quote, why did you say or write or do such and such? End of quote. So there you have it. Ten things I wish older Christians told me when I was younger. I have left out a lot more. Now, if you are in your 20s or 30s, I truly hope this helps you because I'm giving to you what I wish someone had given to me. And I hope you will share it with your peers. This is a YouTube video. It's also on every podcast app. It's very easy to share the link with your friends. Now, if you're older, you're beyond your 20s and 30s, I hope and I ask that you will share this podcast episode with every person you know who is in their 20s and 30s. Why? Because I think it can spare them a lot of frustration and heartache in the coming years. And they just might thank you for it. Until next time, God bless. Hey guys, this is a postscript just before you head out and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankvella.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to Frank Viola dot us that's frankviola.us and that will take you to a donate page there's three different options
options you can use to donate, all of them simple. Thank you very much, and God bless.